0: This episode of The Most Innovative Companies is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on.
1: You're listening to Most Innovative Companies. I'm Josh Christensen. Today, we have another highlight from the Fast Company 2022 Innovation Festival from this last fall in New York City. The panel is called Tiny Taste Buds, Delighting and Sustaining for the Next Generation, And it features John Foraker, CEO and co-founder of Once Upon a Farm, and Jennifer Garner, co-founder and chief brand officer of Once Upon a Farm. Enjoy. Hi, guys. We're your last one of the day.
0: (laughs) Thank you all for being here. The two people on stage with me today were here at this event, the Fast Company Innovation Festival, four years ago. They told us then about a big, hairy, audacious, big, hairy, audacious goal they had for their company. And they just kind of let it, you know, be known casually later on, like, yeah, we'll come back and we'll let you know how it's going. And true to their words, (laughs) here they are. Uh, I am delighted to welcome today John Forker who is the co-founder and CEO of Once Upon a Farm. Uh, Previously, John ran the company Annie's of Annie's Mac and Cheese and other products you may know uh, for 18 years and managed the sale of that company to General Mills for $820 million. Um, And also, Jennifer Garner, who is an actor and producer and a trustee for the 100-year-old uh, organization called Save the Children. Uh, Jen is the chief brand officer and co-founder of Once Upon a Farm. Thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, some of the people in this room might have been here in 2018 to hear you speak earlier, but many have not. So what I'd love to start with is uh, if you would Tell us a little bit about what Once a Farm is and what makes it unique within the baby and now toddler food, but specifically baby food area.
2: I'll take that one. Um, So we're a kid nutrition brand. We started out in fresh baby food. You could buy fresh dog food in 20,000 grocery stores in the US, but you couldn't buy fresh baby food just a few years ago, which felt like a kind of a crazy thing. And so what we do is we make these amazing products by taking fresh or, or instant, instantly quick frozen fruits and vegetables, blending them all together with cool ingredients, never gets above 40 degrees. So it's cold pressed and then we put it into a pouch and get it on the shelf. And it's like this great nutrition for, for babies and kids. And that's what, we're, that's what we do.
0: And John, you were an early investor in the company. It began like when it was like a tiny bud of a company, you right. saw something in it. Right. What did you see in it?
2: I couldn't believe when I was, at the time I was running Annie's and we did a lot of research and we knew a lot about families and kids and uh, organic and better choices and it was amazing to me that there was this white space that tons and tons of moms and dads were making baby food for their kids for all, all the reasons that you can imagine and a lot of them said hey that's great I'm always going to do that or I want to do that but sometimes I don't have time I'm really busy and so it amazed me that nobody had done this before and so Then, um, you know, I started looking around for um, an entrepreneur that was starting to do it. And we found Ari and Cassandra in San Diego.
0: And then uh, I love the story of how you got involved and how you two met. And I'm wondering if you could kind of uh, share that for everybody, too, about... you wanted a business. Sure. You were interested in, yeah, tell us about that.
1: Yes. Um, I was looking for a business to, you know, join in at the early stages, partially for just pers- personal growth and evolution, and also because I've worked for Save the Children for 14 years, and over that time, we've really seen um, fundraising shift in large part um, from foundations to corporations. And so you just start to feel like, well, shoot, let's just create our own revenue stream. So I wanted to be part of something where I could influence the mission early on. Um, And this specifically, Once Upon a Farm, was such a total no-brainer. As a working mom, I remember coming home from work. I was shooting the kingdom. I had my first baby. I remember having, like, fake blood all over and just standing at the blender crying. I was so tired making food for my baby. And this would have been a no-brainer, game changer, day saver, so it was, I was all over it, but it was really, really tiny, and I was interested why the grand poobah of kids' (laughs) organics um, was investing. So I asked John for a meeting, and it was so clear that this was better than anything on the market and the best possible thing out there, we quickly Pivoted from talking about once upon a farm and the products, and turned to um, just food insecurity in this country, and and the the disparity in food nutrition and nutritional value that kids get, you know, either in WIC or just kids suffering from food insecurity, all the, and then, you know, kids like our kids, everyone here, who have just this incredible food available to them. So we started instantly talking about, okay, well, what would it look like if we were to if this brand were just available to more kids this kind of nutrition how great would that be anyway there was such a kismet moment in that meeting at the end of it we shook hands and john said i'll leave general mills if you want to do this and we could do it together and i said i will do this if you'll leave general mills and do this it it (laughs) it it was one of those
2: weird things in business where you're like do you really mean it? Yeah, I, I really mean it. Do you really mean it? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, we were we were a one date one. <laughs> <Yeah, I was, laughs> totally.
0: When you were here last time, the company was younger and. Just starting to gain some real traction. Um, you were Were we gaining traction? You were. You were talking with major real major major
1: retailers. (laughs)
0: Yes. It's like you were, you know, you were definitely on your way and um, trying to persuade retailers to do something they had never done before, which is stock baby food in a refrigerated section. Um, now in addition to having raised the Series D round of 52 million, is that right? Um, earlier this year, you've achieved some pretty major milestones. I'm going to list them now and we're going to go back and we're going to unpack them because they're all big. But just to give everybody the scale of where this, you know, I don't want to just meet them out. You should know the whole thing right away. Your products are being sold in more than 12,000 stores in North America, including Target, Walmart, and Costco. Parents of young kids might be very familiar with them. Uh, You have acquired a company called Raised Real, which is uh, toddler food, moves you into the freezer section. We'll get into that. Um, You have achieved some really, really important accreditations. Um, And you've gone from being an LLC to a public benefit corporation. So let's start with the first one I mentioned, which is store expansion. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you persuade these retailers to do something that you know they have their ways Mm -hmm. they have lots of stores and you said no we want you to do it this way that's got to be hard and how did you do that
2: well the first thing we did was we flew all for like right around the time we were here and in the six months before that we flew all around the country and we met with dozens of retailers and Jen and I would go in and we'd be like okay, there's this white space, you know, we use all the business talk and CPG stuff and everything. And at the end, Jen would go like, it's just really way better food. Like, just just, just trust us, trust us. <laughs> and so um, most retailers trusted us and we got way more distribution than we deserved at that time. Absolutely, like, I way was more, just thinking, oh my way, gosh,
1: I can't believe they gave us. Way more,
2: so much so that we came out sometimes and we're like, is this gonna work?
1: <laughs> what happens when
2: we get it on shelf?" So that's, that, that was how we started, and since then, it's just been, just been constantly trying to understand our consumers, like what's working for them, what's not, making the packaging better, making the product better, like every single thing, and it's been crazy. The business has grown a lot.
1: The business has grown a lot. As a matter of fact, when we were here last time, we were less than a million dollars a year, and now by the end of this year, we're in the hundred million dollar. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. This <laughs> makes me nervous <laughs> to even say it. That's
2: <laughs> so It actually feels like a hundred years since we were. Yes, not, actually, not four. it
0: really does. Yes. <laughs> and the company uh, made its first big acquisition, which is with Raised Real, which mm-hmm. is um, a different category. And what does? What is? Raised Real, what was it? Now it's Once Upon a Farm, but what does that do for you now, and um, what are these products? So Raised
2: Real was, was a direct-to-consumer-only business that was selling, like, baby-led weaning products that were frozen that you could, like, quickly cook. Um, and we thought the products were great, and we were watching them. They launched about the same time that we did. And then an opportunity came up to uh, acquire it, so we did last year in, in July, um, we rebranded the whole thing to Once Upon a Farm, and you can buy those products now. We launched them nationally in Whole Foods, and we're really building that business. It fills a real need for, for moms and dads who are transitioning to solid foods, and again, makes it easier for them to give some great product to their kids. Sorry.
0: And those are... I mean, people who have kids really want to know this. It's finger food, or you could puree it, or you
1: can serve them all different kinds of ways. They're they're finger foods. They're great for baby-led weaning. Kids, can, you can mash them, and kids can grab them that way. They can. They're great for learning those early um, fine motor skills, feeding themselves, and uh, you know, I have been known to heat them up and add them to a bowl of brown rice with <laughs> a little protein, <laughs> and they're good for you too. Yeah, that's great. But the wonderful thing about them is, if we had been making a frozen meal for toddlers and babies, little kids, this would have been it because the, the um, nutrition was so elevated. It's really, they're great.
0: You always kind of said that you wanted even, you know, back then when you were here to grow with the kids. That was a mission. You weren't, you know, just about baby food in, in your minds you were thinking bigger. Um, you know, packing lunch boxes Mm -hmm. is, is you know, it's an everyday thing and everybody needs more options. Where are you in thinking about that? Are you looking past toddlerhood right now for things more toward getting toward the Annie's
1: domain? What was interesting to us is that we figured out pretty early on that yes, we were packaged as a baby food, the baby was on, the cup was on our packaging itself, um, but a huge percentage of our consumers were between one and seven, and so it was happening naturally. We just had to catch up with what kids were doing. So we changed the packaging. We made it more kid-friendly. Um, we've we've added a variety of different things to kind of differentiate some of the line so that it's a little more filling, a little more for, um, for bigger kids. But now, you know, we're next to every soccer game. You know, we're a big soccer snack. There are buckets of us outside of, at, at birthday parties for the kids. You might see like whatever for the parents and then next to it, a big cooler full of Once Upon a Farm and kids walking around like, hey, <laughs>
2: <laughs> It's a It's a very interesting thing. Like, um, I'm sure many of you are entrepreneurs and um, or have talked to lots of entrepreneurs. Every entrepreneur knows what their product's for and who's going to use it, right? They're, they're like, I know this is exactly what it's for. But amazingly, so many times, it's not actually that way. Like, you actually have to get it out there and you actually have to listen because it can be different than you thought. And once we learned that it was a little bit older audience that was 75% of the consumption, And we tweaked a few little, and people were buying it despite the fact that it said baby food, despite the fact that, you know what I mean? And so once we got that right, like all of a sudden, like when we launched in some of these retailers the last time we were on this stage, we were like, we're doing good, aren't we, Mr. Buyer? And they'd be like, they'd be like, you're doing just fine, but you know, you could get the turns up a little bit. That'd be good. And it's okay, but you still, you're hanging in there with us, right? And they say, eh. So, but now um, we made those changes like we're, our velocities, which is this rate at which we sell off the shelf, is five to seven times faster now wow. than it was then. And we didn't change anything dramatic. It was just little things. It's listening to your consumer. Mm-hmm. And that was the big insight. And we've done a lot of listening mm-hmm. and we still haven't gotten it all right, but we still listen all the time.
0: Would you ever, go younger we've seen in the past few years with uh formula shortages Mm -hmm. and um there have been some startups and there's a huge need for new products um you know is that something that you would ever think about it's a totally different category
2: well we talked a lot about it in the very beginning which is again another like entrepreneurial mistake because you sit there and you go like We could do everything our brand's so great right and the reality is like we decided pretty quickly after looking at it because of the regulatory um hurdles you have to go through and the cost we decided that's not something we want to go to and high five to all those companies that are doing that now like it's amazing they're doing great work but i'm really glad we didn't (laughs) and again like i think another like nugget you take can take away from our story which has been exciting and great and everything but trust me it's been really hard and not perfect Another nugget is like focus on, figure out what you are and focus on your core, like focus on it. Mm -hmm. Focus relentlessly. And so we avoided that mistake. We came really close to making it. We came really
1: close. (laughs) We talked formula for a long time.
2: (laughs) But I'm glad we didn't Mm -hmm. in hindsight.
0: Uh, Let's start talking about the accreditations I mentioned earlier. these terms might be new to people. I'm sure they'll start hearing them more. There's uh, Once Upon a Farm was recently awarded the 1000 Day Promise certification Mm -hmm. from the Clean Label Project. And this follows um, an award from the Clean Label Project that was the Purity Award, which you you had Mm -hmm. had already. Um, Once Upon a Farm is the first baby food and kids snack brand to achieve this Mm -hmm. um, certification. Why? Why is this important? What does it mean? Why did you want it? I assume you applied to yeah. get it.
2: Well, the pediatricians tell you the first thousand days of a child's life is like the most important because their um, brain's developing, their immune system's developing, their palate's developing that's going to inform like what, what and how they eat the rest of their life. And so um, we developed some products that are aligned with the clean label projects work around testing and heavy metals and trying to keep those out of baby food there's been a lot of press about that it's very difficult to do it because you know heavy metals and things are endemic in the environment so you have to really be thoughtful about where you source you have to test like crazy so that's that part but then there's a positive nutrition part of it too which is more vegetables and like really products that have a nutrition profile that are modeled after european standards which a lot of consumers here in the u.s um Think is an elevated way to think about food. And so we're proud to be the first to have that and to really raise the bar on the category.
1: Why should European babies get all the good stuff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We our kids deserve veggies. They deserve to have food that isn't stacked with sugar. They deserve to have food that doesn't have that that isn't um, contaminated with plastics and metal heavy metals and all kinds of things. Yeah.
0: Is there a badge on the products, like with like the non-GMO project, the things that, you know, B Corp, the things that we're starting to get conditioned to look for, yeah. how will we know? The
2: certification is not on the pouch itself because we didn't want our patch to look like a NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> we already have, like, organic, we got non-GMO. Like, we wanted, to, there's not a lot of space on that little thing, right? So, um, But it's on our website and it's very clear, like, what products are what, so.
0: And this is something that we as consumers should start looking for and taking it, like from other products and um, Mm -hmm. it's good to know about.
2: Um,
0: The second accreditation, and this brings us to the big, hairy, audacious goal that I mentioned early on, Um, WIC, W-I-C. I I could explain it, but I'd love to hear it from you too. Um, What does it mean and why is it important, and then we'll talk about what it took to get to this point.
2: Okay, Once you start?
0: Sure,
1: and then... um, WIC is Women, Infants, and Children. It is um, pregnant and nursing moms until their children are five, typically, and it's kids from birth to the age of five making sure that there's nutrition in homes for families who are really food insecure and who live below the poverty line. Um, it's a federal, it's federal money. Yep. Um, and we very early on, it was super important to us to have a, a wick line of food and to have it be refrigerated and elevated, nutrition and clean. Um, it just seems like, you know, a no-brainer and the right thing to do. And after a lot of googling, state by state, every state has different rules, different specificities. almost like they're trying to trip you up. It also you know a lot of states um, didn't even most states didn't even accept organic baby food as a you weren't even allowed to apply if you were an organic baby food. So knocking some states down to say, yes, we're gonna we're gonna um, we will accept organic baby food. but John did it.
2: Well, it wasn't just me. It was like um, our whole team. But the thing that's crazy about it is, everyone told us it couldn't happen. Like, not a single person outside of our little crazy room said it could happen.
1: I knew and, you could do it. Yeah,
2: but yeah, but we we just said we're going to make it a priority, and we this is very important foundationally to our mission, the reason why we decided to get together in this business, and we knew it wasn't going to be easy, and we. So we we got the first state that said yes to us was Florida, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then not that long after that was Texas. Texas was a big one, Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's a the story is crazy. Like we got it approved, um, but then you're like, okay, now I have to get it in the store and you have to sell it. Where are you going to sell? Well, we don't have coolers in the baby aisle. At least we didn't then, right? So we're going to put it over in the dairy section. So pretty soon we're like, again, our little young company, like, yeah, we can. We're like. Every public store, every Target store, most of the Kroger stores in the U.S. had this product on the shelf. And guess what? It didn't turn. It didn't sell very well. And the reason is because nobody knew what it was. It's very difficult, actually, to talk about WIC products and market. You can't really directly market it. So it's a whole... So we learned a ton from that. Um, And what we do what we know now is that it will work. It needs to work in coolers in the baby aisle. Hmm. And in fact, a retailer like uh, in HEB in Texas is one of the the big WIC retailers, amazing retailer in Texas, we're doing incredibly well out of coolers there, and we're expanding it. so as as our brand grows and as our cooler footprint grows, the WIC business will grow with it. And that's super important to us because we want every kid to be able to have accessibility to this better nutrition.
1: This episode of Most Innovative Companies is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at
0: verizon.com. So just so I can, I got this straight, you started out and you, there were obviously no cooler, Mm -hmm. coolers in the baby food aisle. It's like, you know, you shop, it's like Beech Nut and Gerber and it's all like with the peanut butters or whatever. And it's, you know, very not cold. And so... You started by putting the products with the yogurts, because you know you know one of the first foods babies eat is yogurt, so that moms of babies that age are there, or parents, crush mm-hmm, up. moms and dads. Um, and so they were stocked there. But now you've gotten these big stores to install coolers in the baby food aisle.
2: Well, we're working on that.
0: That's not happened yet.
2: <laughs> oh, no, it's been happening. When we first got together and we were like, um, we sat down and we, uh, Jen and I and Arne and Cassandra, we wrote our mission, vision, values. That took it like a day. And then we sat down and said, how are we going to grow this business? That was right from the day one? Very beginning, like very beginning. And one of the things we said was like, "Like, okay, we need to put coolers in the baby out. Oh, that's Fresh Pet is doing it in Pet food, that's totally the way. It seems we, so easy. It seems so easy. We started doing it and we got some retailers to do some tests and stuff, but it was really hard. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, at the same time, our, our brand with the changes we talked about earlier was really starting to take off over in dairy, right? Like next to kid yogurt. But we didn't give up on this dream of coolers and the baby out. We actually have been really working hard on it. Like again, it's like you have to do it. You have to learn. You have to go like... What does it take to get the product from the back room into the cooler? Um, what kind of little card does it have to have instructions for what's supposed to happen with the cooler when there's a problem? Who do you call? Like All that stuff. So we've been working hard on that for multiple years, and that business is really starting to go now, and it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. So,
1: as a matter of fact, we are right now rolling out coolers in every Wegman's baby aisle. Oh. Yes. Um,
2: so if you're all going to Wegman's yes. and want uh, to check out the baby aisle, take a you're, look. You're going to see this baby cooler that's incredible, and it's a real. Leadership statement by changer. Wegmans and what it's driving the category because mm-hmm. consumers are saying, "Hey, I want I want that product, and I'm going to go down that aisle, which is less traffic than a lot of aisles."
0: And Wegmans pays for those coolers, or you?
2: Well, it's, it depends on it depends on how you define it, who pays okay. for what. But okay. we, <laughs> at the end of the day, like we usually pay for most stuff. Like, but but the point is, like, um, it's it's a big statement. Like we've we when we first came out here and we're talking on the stage four years ago, we were like. We're going to disrupt this category. And we had lots of big competitors kind of us, telling retailers that no, that'll never happen. Coolers are never going to work in the baby aisle. Baby food will never work in another part of the store. And it's been happening hmm. and it's happening. And, hmm. and that's the exciting part. So, um, appreciate all the support. Spread the word. We need <laughs> yeah. all the help we can get. We're still a little, yeah, guy. we're still little. <laughs> we're still a little we're guy.
0: St- little cute. when once I know this only from reading about, um, formula and I'm sure it applies to some degree to other. Other uh, WIC sanctioned approved products, um, that once you get that approval, that your product suddenly becomes more available, right? Doesn't it like help with shelf space in certain places? It it
2: does, like in, especially for products that are shelf stable like that, where it's easy because they can just distribute it. But if you don't have a cooler base installed, you have to work through that. So for us, it's going to be slower, but it's the important point is like, we would never. We're never going to walk away from that. We're, yeah. It's core to our focus, and our view is like, hey, down the road, if there's ten or fifteen thousand baby coolers out there, like, will our stuff will be in most of them, hopefully all of them, and that will be there too. And the, that whole program and the social impact of that will grow with us.
0: Mm-hmm. What does it take to persuade state legislators to do something? I know that you know you must have experience with this mm-hmm. in your career, and Jen, you've talk to politicians um, for Save the Children and other things. Um, and uh, this one, you know, it's easy to go and have a moment before, I shouldn't say easy. A lot of people can go and have one moment before Congress and, you know, have photographers there, and um, it, it's a real moment, it makes a big change. I think, I don't know, in my head, John Stewart with veterans recently, like you can make a huge difference by doing that. This kind of work is painstaking. And really, like unglamorous behind-the-scenes state capital by state capital, right? It, it, how do you, um, you know, how do you know what state to start with, and how do you know what message will work with them? Um, how do you do that? Like, how do you start that initiative?
2: Well, we started it by just sitting down and Googling. I swear to God, it was that simple. It's like there isn't a place that you go. Like, here's how it all works, and here's who you yeah. call. It's like you literally have to find every state website and go. Like, okay. How do they do it? Okay, can I have their little forms? Okay, that's what we had to do.
1: Mm -hmm. It's much more about the agency. It's not about going to the state government. It's about the agency itself and how to break through their
0: do you tailor your, tail your message to each state or does it pretty much well, the same no matter where you go?
2: Well, the, the, the cool thing about it is I mean, in all these WIC programs, the, the people in the programs love the idea. Uh, mm-hmm. They love it. They, the, they're so committed to the audience of consumers that benefits from WIC availability. WIC is one of the best government programs ever created in terms of like the, the positive impact on kids for relatively small investment. It's an incredible thing. And the people that work there are super passionate about it. And so, um, so they love the idea, but obviously there's rules and there's procedures, and you just have to go through the work to do it. Nothing easy, you know. Happens fast, like usually. But you can't good shop
1: out. with a. Pardon me. You can't shop with a, a, a mom who's shopping for her kids using, you know, um, redeeming her WIC or her SNAP benefits and thinking about where she, where they're going to be, what she's going to get from what um, food bank without just having a deep respect for that mother. I, I said to a mom once as she was saying, okay, I'm gonna get this here and I've got this here and the food bank is coming in and I'll get that there. And I said, you know, if you had been raised in my house with the promise of an education and you know, conversations around the dinner table and a mom who cooked every meal, you'd be a CEO. The way you are thinking about this, you're incredible. I'm totally blown away by you. And, and people who work in these agencies If you see these moms day after day and your day is filled with, you know, providing nutrition and food to little babies and kids and pregnant and nursing moms, their hearts are in the right place. They're pretty excited. It's just bureaucracy, you know. Interesting.
0: Last year you changed from an LLC to a public benefit corporation. Mm -hmm. Why was that important? Why was last year the year to do it and what does it mean?
2: Well, public benefit corporations, for those of you who are not familiar, are a relatively new form of corporate structure. And basically, they're just like a regular corporation, except regular corporations have only really two things in their charter. One is you don't break the law, and B, do whatever else you want and make money. That's basically the only minimum requirements. Um, a public benefit corporation, you actually embed in your corporate charter that your, your mission values your DNA. So in our corporate charter is all about improving nutritional outcomes for kids expanding access like it's in there and the whole idea of that is like let's say we became a public company someday and we had um, you know a huge program where we were really trying to drive that and maybe that's not the best thing for the P&L of the business but it's right on mission like you know it's really hard to sue us for that mm-hmm. like and so it's just embedding it and like we were a certified b corp right, right away which is an awesome certification that many companies get. That's usually the first step toward going to a PBC and really converting. And the cool thing about it is your board, all your shareholders are saying, those things are really important to Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. That's core to who we are and we support that. And that's that's why it's such a great affirmation Mm -hmm. to do it.
0: Well, right when you were uh, building this company and um, starting to make headway, the pandemic hit. Yeah. And uh, there are two things that I think um, put you in a unique place um, to get where you've gotten since then. And one of them is your uh, focus on supply chain and now supply chain, as we've discussed, and you know, I don't know how you all feel here, but it used to be like people would say supply chain, and you'd be like, okay, supply chain. And now it's just the sexiest topic that there is. <laughs> Everybody wants to talk about so supply true. chain. It's really um, cool. We learn what happens. We so, really know. Uh, yeah,
2: all, you go to business school and talk to the people, and all they want to talk about is supply chain. Yeah. Now, there would have been like one person like that 10 years ago. I
0: know. It's like, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have a lot of experience, John, with the supply chain, mm-hmm. having you know worked in the, in the fields that you have, and you um, were clear when you spoke to us last time that you really baked that into the company. Mm-hmm. How so, and you know what has that meant for the past few years?
2: Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, the products that we make are really unique and great, they're really hard to make, especially really hard to make at the quality level we make them, and to make a lot of them, right mm-hmm. and so very early on, we brought um, a guy into our company named Larry,
1: Larry, Larry
2: <laughs> who's the most biggest supply chain genius I've ever worked with. I worked with him at Annie's for a long time. And literally at the very beginning, he started mapping out, okay, what is our supply chain need to look like three, five years from now at the beginning when we were selling, you know, like $100,000 a month, like, and you have to think that far ahead. And so it's all about where are you going to be procuring your supply? Where are you putting your manufacturing plants? How are you making sure that the the software and systems and support are all there to be able to do it? If we hadn't had that kind of forward thinking, two things: one is we would have hit the a uh, windshield like a bug when we when we went from zero stores to eighty five hundred like it would have been so we did that really well. but then during the pandemic, we would have really had trouble keeping up with the business with all of the dislocation like it, you know to get a uh, some product that we or are buying, um, you know, some frozen um, tropical fruit off of a ship would normally take like 45 days. It's taking 160, 180. Like, crazy. Like, you have to figure out how you make the thing work with that. And so, that's been the challenge and um, we have to continue thinking like that because we've scaled the business a lot but it's, it's, it'll be a lot bigger in the future, but we have to be thinking way out there. Mm-hmm.
0: And then the other end of the supply chain is your distribution channels yep. and uh, once Upon a Farm is direct-to-consumer and subscription and also through third-party retailers both online through Amazon and other Wait. companies and physical real t- re- retailers. How Has that picture shifted at all in terms of what people want from the company, where they're ordering it from? S- same.
2: Omni-channel. like We're yeah. a modern brand. You need to be wherever your consumers yeah. want you. Okay. Yep.
0: Um, the other thing that I think has to have positioned you well. Um, for the pandemic era is the culture that you created at the company. Mm-hmm. And um, Jen, you, when you were here, you were talking about this, it was kind of prescient. I don't think anybody was talking about this kind of stuff at the time, really, maybe a little bit. But you said that, how you were talking about how important it was to empower your workers mm-hmm. and uh, to let them be in charge of their lives, particularly the workers that were parents, but all workers. and. Um, that they don't have to call in and say, I'm going to take one of my sick days. That it's really, are you getting the work done? Um, that we we trust you as our employees to get things done. And as we've seen during the pandemic, that's kind of how a lot of companies have operated. And it's kind of, um, I don't know, dynamics have really changed. Do you feel that it established a baseline that... Definitely. that helped?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, we were already very much um, we trust you to, not we, John, I mean <laughs> I trust you to get your work done. Um, you're going to get your work done. We're all going to get our work done. And you, we also have a lot of young parents and we just have grown-ups. So, so do your thing. Be a grown-up and let us know what's going on. Um, and of course we all became remote in a quick hurry. But that was... It, that's worked really well for us, and we're going to remain um, really a remote company. It's, it's let us just have the best talent, hire the best talent. We've doubled in size uh, since we were last year. Um, and so we've hired the best talent from all over the country. And everyone, we find different ways to get together because it is super important to have the energy of all being in the same room, and that's always pretty raucous. Um, and really focused and smart, too. Um, and we still stand by that same, we have full parental leave, fathers, mothers, family, any kind of family need. Great.
0: Where Now that the, the big baby food makers, all the big conglomerates have seen what you've done. I mean, you did something very different and now they've kind of seen it and they have responded and you know changed a little bit. Um, how has that competitive landscape changed and where do you see your competitive edge being
2: right now? Well, you know, um, it's kind of interesting, but like the pandemic, in some ways, because of the impacts of the pandemic, um, it's it's held competition off mm. in, a, in, in a counterintuitive kind of way because what's happened at retail over the last three years is many of you know, when you go shopping, like stuff was not there, right? Mm-hmm. That was out of stock. The way retailers have adjusted is they've said like, Hey, let's focus on the twenty percent of stuff that sells eighty percent, and let's just put like six six basings of one item there instead of one. So small brands have actually had a really hard time over the last couple of years breaking into that. So the big re- the big um, pa- packaged food companies that we compete with have been really focused on their core, mm. so we haven't really had any bitty, bitty bitty big come against us. There's no question that we will. I mean, we're now too big to not have to, to be, not be on their radar. And I always thought about it as like one, if they do, it's validation of what we're doing, and you know, more more merrier everybody at the table. This can be a much bigger uh, part of the industry. But B, they'll come and they'll be by the time they get where we are, we'll be in a different place. They'll be aiming for where we are, not where we're going, and that's a cultural thing. You have to, you have to constantly make yourself better and make your products better and more relevant. And you know, we have um, like a the, one of the first products is a green kale and apple product, right? It's an amazing product. That product has gotten better every single year. And it's gonna be better three years from now than it is right now. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how it might be. We get the communication on the package a little better. It might be that the formula is even tastier, or it might be more healthier, or whatever. It's an amazing product. That's what you have to think about. You can't sit there because you will get caught.
1: Huh. By the way, John, that's one of the first um, first skews that, that Cassandra came up with in yeah. her kitchen. Yeah. Right? yeah. And it's still one of wow. our...
2: Still one of our top sellers. Yeah. Kale and apple, you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Green kale okay. and apple.
2: But consumers want innovation. You know, they really, do. they really do, and especially now as they're getting back out into stores a little bit more now and looking, they, a lot of them miss finding new things, mm-hmm. and um, it's up to brands like ours and many other friends of ours, to like push the industry forward and to innovate and. It's hard to innovate sometimes in these big companies. I have lots of friends in them and they're amazing people in companies, but it's hard because there's lots of decisions that have to be made. And so sometimes we have the, an advantage really, I think, and that we can decide on a Friday that we wanna go do something and by Monday morning, we've got a plan together and we're going. Like, that's very different than a lot of big companies.
0: Yeah. Um, squeeze pouches. Mm-hmm. They're so convenient. I mean, yep. there's a reason there was a tub of them at a soccer game or something like that, and every you know just throw them in a bag. They're kind of revolutionary mm-hmm. in their convenience. Um, They're also plastic, and they can be recycled through a TerraCycle program. You were a part of it. You mm-hmm. might still be. The I mean, sad truth is that a lot of parents aren't saving them and mailing them. You know, it yep. doesn't fit with the whole convenience um, thing. Um, you have mentioned that you're working on it and stay tuned and I was wondering if you had any thoughts about What you're doing? I mean I'm not gonna hold you to solving the plastic yeah. crisis right yeah. here right now. What are yeah. you doing, but um, What is next and is there a solution to this?
2: There, there there will be there's a lot of work being done on it now um, You know our overall footprint for our products is pretty good. It's pretty light it's, it's got a pretty good footprint end of life is the worst part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a couple things that we're doing. One is we're trying to reduce the amount of that. So like reducing the plastic content, um, you know, getting to recycled on the cap, for example, things like that, but also working with, um, big companies. I mean, this is big technology, right? Working with big companies to get to, uh, recyclable, you know, laminates and things like that on the pouch. I am confident that we'll get there. It might take a couple more, two, three more years, but we'll, we'll get there. We're testing stuff now. We've been testing stuff for multiple like multiple years now. it takes a while. And the reason it's so hard for us is because it's got to it's got to withstand the the way we're able to give our product a little bit of a shelf life without cooking it is we put it in pressure. so we we pressurize it to to the depth of the the deepest part of the ocean, that much per wow. per square inch. so we it has to be able to hold up to that. Um, but that's you know consumers, I've learned this at Annie's, and if you look at like the best companies out there, Like consumers, um, they don't demand perfection, they want it, they don't demand it. They demand positive intent, they demand transparency, they want you to admit what's not right about your product and what you want to be better, and they want to know you really mean it, that you're trying to to get there. And that's what we're committed to, and we've been really focused on that.
0: It seems to me from research that you have, you mentioned it a little earlier in this discussion here tonight or today, Um, another goal which is um, going back to what you said about meeting European standards. Mm I kind of want to talk about that and maybe that's what we'll end on here is how, you know, how different are we, and, and um, what what work are you doing to raise not just for once upon a farm, but for standards, and like what, what are you doing now to kind of raise um, awareness about that? What should we know as consumers to be looking for and advocating for ourselves?
2: Well, I think that um, we're on the leading edge of our, our industry in terms of like really talking about making the product better and for better nutrition not only better access which we talked a lot about um, there are you know there are things happening in congress there is thing are things happening in the fda with respect to um you know programs that they're trying to put in place but those things move very very slow we support those and we want to go but we want to just continue elevating the game and in many ways like um in an industry like ours commercial success like actually just doing it showing that it can be done and elevating the bar is the way that you influence change, mm-hmm. right? Um, when I was at Annie's, we were one of, the, one of the brands, not the only ones, but one of the brands that really encouraged getting artificial flavors and colors out of kid food. Mm-hmm. It was in everything. It still is in a lot of stuff, but it's dramatically less now because Annie's and a few other brands were very successful taking it out and talking about it. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it didn't require regulatory to the government didn't say you have to take it out. People took it out because they know consumers don't want that. Hmm. And so we view it the same kind of way. That's the biggest leadership role we can play
0: hmm. um, And I guess for consumers, we should just uh, read the ingredients, right? Yeah. And um, what are the things that Europe, up- doesn't have that we still do like what should what do we need to know as consumers looking at they have able- less
1: sugar in their okay. food we have no sugar added okay they have more veggies in anything okay. we um we add you know veggies in in anything that says advanced nutrition veggies in most of our products um and then they're all around cleaner which we feel really confident about and Mm -hmm. you can see it's third party tested. Yeah. Um, And it really is about, it's about leading commercially and we're the number one um, brand in the natural channel um, including Whole Foods and Sprouts. And so let that, you know, hopefully that will kind of ask our colleagues to come along. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Encourage them to come along.
1: Encourage them. (laughs) Encourage them. them.
0: Well, we hope that you'll come back again and let us know about the progress that you continue to make. It's exciting to watch and we uh, thank you for being here.
2: We love you. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you.